You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. Welcome back to Screening in Kingston, minus uh, one person, because last week we had a guest, and we're it's back to just uh, Taylor and myself. Back to normal over here with two dum-dums. Yeah, just the dum-dums and whatever it is we're talking about this week. Exactly. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna kick the show off though, um, and we're just we're basically gonna throw it right to you, Taylor, because. Uh, this coming weekend is the very anticipated weekend for you, but also our fans were anticipating this weekend because your your wedding is just around the corner. Yeah, people may have forgotten, but I am still getting married. COVID be damned. So this will be, fingers crossed, um, one of my last wedding updates. The last update will be next week to let you guys know whether or not it happened. So well, let's let's jive. Like let's go. Let's jump right into it. Let's uh, let's cue the music and hear what could be uh, the second last wedding update. Cue that music. The wedding had to be fun. You get the decorations, together. families coming together. That's a nice moment. What'd you have to eat? Crab cakes. Are you kidding me? Crab cakes? How could you not have a good time eating crab cakes? cakes. I love them. And They're you got a band? Did you have a band? It's a great band. It's a bad band. It's like pizza, baby. It's good no matter what. There's music in the get air. Playing, shout. Yeah. Hey, a little bit oh, 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 Shout now. Jump up and shout now. It's now time for a Taylor and Dan wedding update. Here's Taylor. So we are just in the literal final days before the wedding. And I mean, I don't know how many, I don't know how many people are following COVID restriction news very closely. I think a lot of people have COVID fatigue. I still Um, hope people are paying attention a little bit. (laughs) No, certainly. Yes, I do hope people are, you know, washing their hands and wearing their masks. But I don't think um, normal people uh, are quite as dialed in to COVID news the same way that I am, um, because uh, we really do need to be up to date on what's allowed and not allowed um, when you're trying to plan an event, right? So so that's been interesting. A couple Saturdays ago, of course, Ford announced that um, private social gatherings are restricted. Um, however, we are getting married at a business, so the rules are different. Um, okay. So there is that distinction then. Yes. So again, that's why I say, you know, normal people probably, (laughs) um, are not, you know, going through provincial policy with a fine tooth comb the way that I am. Um, the abnormal person. Yes. Yeah. You know, well, maybe people are, you know, very curious about these things, Um, but I would say, you know, I've had a lot of stress just kind of seeing how the way the numbers are going and, um, what that can mean for our, um, our gathering essentially like our, our reception. So, um, fingers crossed that, um, you know, between now and Saturday, 
nothing goes crazy. Um, otherwise, we are, you know, as set to go as we can. We just have to yeah. arrive at the venue, set it up, make it look pretty. Um, and yeah, then take a little trip down the aisle. So wow. um, as of, you know, today of us recording, because with COVID, things could even change once this airs. But as of Monday evening, Dan and I are still getting married. All right, good. And, and we, I'm sure I speak for all our fans and listeners that I, I'm sure we're all hoping that you, you can do this. You know, you might just sneak it in, right? I mean, just before things really start to take off, this, this might be perfect. You might be able to sneak it in this weekend, get it, get it in. Um, and, you know, obviously you're right. Things change every single day. Um, but hopefully, hopefully you can, you can get there. It sounds like it's promising with the business rules being a little bit different. Yeah, I think a lot of, um, a lot of what I've been reading essentially is that Ford doesn't really want to compromise businesses, which, you know, that's a whole other kettle of fish, not really for yeah. our movie podcast. No. But, we're not going to um, really get into that. We're not no. going to get into that. Um, but as of right now, um, it, it seems like everything's going to be very regional based as well as um, in terms of region, but then also industry. So, you know, yeah. we saw recently that strip clubs have been closed because yeah, they've been able yeah. to trace some outbreaks to strip clubs. So um, in a way that does apply to our movie podcast as well, because um, it'll be interesting to see um, if the numbers keep rising, what other businesses may have to um, make adjustments or yeah. close again. Um, You're absolutely right. Yeah. And it's it's entertainment facilities like movie theaters that would unfortunately be the first to go. Yeah, it could be. Um, it very well could happen, right? We could see um, the movie theaters close again. Um, it may be, you know, if the the politicians or the scientists or who have you who crunch the data and they see okay we've had no covid related to movie theaters that may bode well for the movie industry um but we are seeing um essentially uh you know the the public health is able to more or less try to track these cases and if they see yeah. that it's tied to a specific type of business it's going to yeah. be those businesses that will be um jeopardized first yes so yeah, makes sense i haven't read anything and again i i'm probably more in tune to this stuff than the average person just because of my circumstances but i actually from what i read it the concern isn't movie theaters it is places like bars and um sort of these um what they're calling unmonitored social gatherings yeah <laughs> so yeah um, yeah. that's kind of my tangent. Um, I'm sure we're going to have people write in in the next couple of weeks saying, do you guys think the movie theaters are going to close? Cause that seems to be, people always want us to put in our COVID predictions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we had a lot of that before. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, we were like, we don't know. <laughs> I don't have the answer, but no. I would just say given current trends, um, it, you know, it's a possible, it's a possibility, but yeah. um, it seems really that they're targeting um, sort of like wherever booze is involved. Well, again, I mean, it makes, it kind of does make sense. I mean, not to, 
not to go on another tangent as we did a couple weeks ago against like substances, but when you drink, your inhibitions are lowered and you probably just forget, you know, you're not as cautious. Whereas at a movie theater, you're trapped in your seat. It's been completely sanitized. You're supposed to stay where you are. There's less people. Like, frankly, I mean, we can also get into that conversation. A lot of people haven't even tried going to the movies and there hasn't been, I've never been there with a packed uh, houses. So, you know, it, there's less people around to begin with. So it, it does make sense. Um, and I think what you're saying exactly makes sense. If they can track where people were catching this and where it was spreading, then yeah, you close those types down. But if there's never going to be evidence that, oh, that we've never seen anything gone to a movie theater and it being being a, an issue, then maybe it will stay open. But yeah, we just don't know. Yeah. So that is my wedding slash COVID update. Well, there you go. That's a, <laughs> we've got the wedding update. There might be one more next week. And yes, you to you know, in case our fans are wondering, we are forcing you to be on the show next week, um, even though you're getting married. We said doesn't matter. Uh, get get on the show here, Taylor. So you're doing the show next week. So that's, that's how devoted I am to our listeners. <laughs> I will not even miss. Um, I will not miss a broadcast even after my wedding. That's yeah. how much even I love after- everyone. The Monday after your wedding, you're still going to talk about movies. So there you go. Perfect. Um, We do have some fan questions, as I mentioned, to kick things off. And then we'll get into the films that we saw. Both Taylor and I watched The Devil All the Time, uh, a Netflix release. And I also watched Enola Holmes because I, I I needed a palate cleanser. (laughs) <laughs> um, after that the first film so there you go so those are the films we're going to talk about today but as always we're going to start with fan questions we have three people who wrote in uh, this week uh, we're going to start with Josh because I want to get his questions over with um, Josh says oh hey and his first question is specifically to me and it's very specific he said Michael last week you spoke about movie crushes not sure if you told everyone yours before but I'd like to know who your crush is and why when did I bring up movie crushes? Oh, because um, Mads Mikkelsen was in a movie um, that aired at TIFF, and Nicole said, oh, you're, you're crush. And then you went, what? Your crush is Alexander Skarsgård. And then I said, no, I have more than one crush. And that was what the conversation. That's what we talked about. Okay. All right. <laughs> I think I vaguely remember that. Um, yeah. I mean – Josh, I don't, I don't really have a, a movie crush um, because, you know, I kind of just enjoy, I just kind of watch movies to kind of enjoy them. Like, there's lots of, like, actresses who are very pretty, but, like, in terms of, like, an actual movie crush, I don't really have that. But what I will say is I have tons of actors, actresses, directors that I'm a big fan of their work. And if something's playing, regardless of what it is, I would go see it. I mean, obviously this is when like movies are just coming out. Even though I don't know anything about it, sometimes the name of someone will draw me to the theater, if that makes sense. So I guess that's not really like a crush. I don't really have like a movie crush, but I definitely have lots of people, both men and women who I'm like, oh, if they're in something or they're doing something, I'm there. I got to see it because I think they're so talented. You can, you're not, that's the easy answer. Come on. Well, we what? all want to know. What's the more complex? You want me to just everyone, explain? <laughs> everyone wants to know who you think is a cutie. Um, who do I think is a cutie? Um, okay. Well, 
got to go off the I, I mean, all the classics. I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of what I've seen recently that, that I can name. Um, well, I mean, okay. So when I was when I was younger, I was a big fan of the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. So Sarah Michelle Gellar was definitely a crush for a while. Yeah, she's um, a cutie. She's a bona fide yeah. cutie. Yeah. Um, again, I just I don't know. I go to the movies for talent more more than more than anything. Well, um, Buffy can be your answer. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Sarah Michelle Gellar will be my answer. Um, but she doesn't do anything anymore. She has whatever. a um a, a a company that sells um bake like bakery mixes like cupcakes and muffins. She like owns a business. That's what she does. Okay. And, <laughs> well, that's different. <laughs> and Freddie Prince Jr., her husband, um, right, is right involved in um. WWE or whatever they're the really? the yeah the wrestling he like produces he still, he still does a lot of voice work Freddie Prince Jr. does yeah like for, he, Star Wars and stuff he's done yeah, a lot and, of voice work. and video games I think but yeah, video games he also well, yeah. produces yeah. for wrestling yeah like I've heard of more stuff from the business from Freddie Prince Jr. than I have from Sarah Michelle Geller. Which is interesting. Her, her food stirs company. Yeah, she. I guess she just follow your passion. I guess I don't know. I mean, that's fine. But I guess that's my answer. I don't know. I don't know, Josh. Sorry to disappoint you, um, Taylor. This question's for you. Last week you talked about being excited for the haunting of Bly Manor. Have you ever watched Marianne? It appears to have pretty good reviews after only one season on Netflix. And it's something I'm considering watching as a filler until Bly Manor. Okay, Josh, the Inquisitor. Josh and you share a passion for horror movies. Marianne. I've never even heard of that. Uh, shall I look it up for you while we... <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> doing a quick Google. Marianne. Ooh, it, um, the poster looks scary. Oh, it says horror movie. A famous um, horror writer is lured back to her hometown who is lured back to her hometown, discovers that the evil spirit who plagues her dreams is now wreaking havoc in the real world. Oh, and it's a French oh, production. It and it's a TV show. Year. Like, so, it's, it's 2019, so it, it's yeah. very new. I think hmm. the poster looks familiar. I guess I thought maybe it was a movie. I think the problem with um, TV series is, like, you're kind of committing. You know what I mean? Like, so that might have been why it kind of um, wasn't on my radar. But it has 94, it's Google users rated 94%. 94. And wow. 93 on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's, it has yeah, good. really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, there you go. So there's a suggestion for anyone looking for a horror filler. Cool. Might be good. Uh, next question um, comes from Sadie. Sadie wrote in through the website, and it says, Hey, just curious if you're going to talk about the Emmys at all. Any TV suggestions based off the winners? We don't usually dive into television. Sometimes we have special episodes about it. Yeah, we try kind to of, we try to avoid television. I mean, we do so much. Um, <laughs> we do sometimes cover it because of where we both watch a lot of Netflix. 
Yeah. But it's not necessarily our main, uh, our main passion. I would, I also am not an award show person. Michael, you're, I called you Michael because <laughs> our screen, <laughs> your official name is on our recorder. Anyways, oh. Mike, you are more into the award shows than I am. Yes. I do know that um, Schitt's Creek swept the Emmys in all of the acting categories. Um, and I can't recommend Schitt's Creek more. Like, I, I love that show. And Dan and I are actually doing a rewatch right now, going through um, from start to finish. Uh, literally, aside from that, I don't know any other winners from <laughs> the Well, the, the other big one that took home a lot was Watchmen. Uh, the Watchmen series, which was an HBO, it was a, it was kind of like, oh, Game of Thrones is over. Here's a miniseries Watchmen. The biggest thing is, is that it won a bunch of awards, and it is very good. I will recommend it if anyone superhero fans out there, or even if you're just like, um, if you like kind of action drama, is the best way to describe Dystopia. it. Yeah, because it's not it's not an action adventure. It's definitely an action drama. It's mainly drama with some action set pieces here and there. Um, but I will say that it was very well done. And the biggest both disappointment and delight for me is there, the creator said there will be no season two. I wrote this as a one season Great. thing. I have eight episodes in mind and I'm not, I don't care how popular it is. I'm not doing a second season. I think more and, creators need to stick to their guns and yeah, do that. I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't be more happy slash sad about something because it was so good, but I'm also like, good for you. Good for you for having an idea and just saying, I don't care about the money. This ended, is my idea. It ended on a high. It did. And and I mean, it did end in a way where you're like, what the heck? But that's what, again, that's, it's good. Good television, good movies should do that. And I will give Watchmen the, the recommendation because it's a solid television show regardless. Um, also, Mrs. America, which I think won a couple awards because it was more of a... Um, it was more of like one of those temporary, like quick miniseries only meant to have one season. Yeah. Um, so it, it's also very, very good. Um, play, uh, Kate Blanchett is the, the star of that one. And it's uh, it has a lot to do with the uh, women's rights amendment. Oh, um, it, I've seen a trailer for it. It looks good. Yeah. Very, very good. Uh, I, if people are looking for TV suggestions, that one as well. I think it's it's phenomenal. But, uh, but yeah, I am more into the awards. So I will say that because of everything going on, I didn't even realize the Emmys were happening. It kind of fell it was under only the radar. until afterwards that I was like, oh, the Emmys. <laughs> yeah, they like happened randomly. So yeah. But yes, um, Sadie, we don't generally talk about TV, but every once in a while we can, you know, we do a special thing. Maybe we're going to talk about a show or something that really resonates with us. But other than that, yeah, we try to stick to movies. You talking about um, Watchmen reminded me Dan and I just binged The Righteous Gemstones. We, um, we I don't know if it was up for any Emmys, but um, it came out around the same time Watchmen came out. It's an HBO show with, uh, I think his name's Danny McBride, like wrote, oh, wrote yeah. produced, and directed m most of the episodes. Um, oh, okay. And we rented that season from um, uh, Classic Video. And um, it was great. Like if you um, can go down and rent it or if you have Crave or um, HBO on demand, 
highly recommend The Righteous Gemstones. Uh, it's a comedy, drama, crime um, show about a very wealthy family of TV event- evangelists. Um, so, you know, the like the religious people that are on TV. Um, so it was really, really great. That sounds excellent. I've never heard of it, but I, I'm going to take that suggestion for sure. That sounds yeah, great. it came out in 2019, so I think it would have been eligible for this year's Emmys. I don't. It doesn't ring a bell from looking at the winners. I I only watched the. I quickly caught the opening monologue of the Emmys just to see how they were doing it, but then kind of yeah tuned out, out. Um, did other things, and then uh, yeah looked at the winners. But I I don't think it won anything. But again, I'll I'll look it up for sure because I definitely want to check that out. That sounds it was good. really good. Yeah. Uh, but thank you, Sadie, for that. Um, last uh, question is more of a suggestion, actually. This is a fan suggestion from Akil, who says, Hi, Screening in Kingston. I had a suggestion for your for you to consider, um, considering all of the negative comments around the Oscars you both seem to always bring up, uh, you should give out your own awards at the end of the year based on the movies that you both saw. I would love to hear your own picks for Best Picture or Best Actors based upon all the movies that you reviewed each year. Just an idea to consider. Um, but thank you, um, Akil, for that suggestion. Um, yeah, we usually we do an end-of-the-year kind of wrap-up show where we talk about our favorites um, of the films that we saw. We could probably structure that this year to a little awards thing. I think that might be kind of fun. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, we could pick, you know, who's the be- what's the best performance that we we saw and of the see-its, what's the best see-it. And it'd be fun to have to pick what's the best skip-it. Like if you absolutely had to walk <laughs> the <laughs> best airplane movie. Yeah, the best airplane movie. Yeah, we could do that. I think but that. Would I be think twenty twenty is the year of airplane movies. I mean, I can't say that our um, our own Oscars will be any better than this year's Oscars, just considering we probably have seen much fewer movies than we so, would have normally. So <laughs> yeah, and I think or new movies at least. Maybe that's what makes this year right to do that because it would be easy for us. I'm just thinking workload wise. It would be easy to organize. Okay, here's all our seats. Here's all our skippets. Here's all our airplanes, and and so on, and then just pick from there. But yeah, you're right. It might simply be. Oh, we only have these five seats to choose from because I, <laughs> I can only think of a handful of movies that either of us have even liked this year. Maybe who knows? Maybe the last. Um few months of 2020 we'll get like some really great see it's in the mix but um i'll be honest given the current trends i'm not rushing out to the movie theater anytime soon no i mean even even i'm not i'm gonna i'm gonna try to go in the next couple weeks a couple of times just because i i want to get my kind of movie theater going in before things do start to close like i mean hope they don't but i'm again just looking at the trends and looking where things are going um, I want to make sure I, I see a few things, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it's, it's a bit going to be a bit of a more unique year for the Oscars, um, and for us. And, and it has been, but again, that's, that's where you get creative. You know, that's to me, the best part of this is how do you get creative, which is nice to see things go right to streaming services and different ideas to get content out to people. And then we, you know, we did a couple movie clubs and we, we get ideas from our fans and I don't know, I, I think it's nice to do different things here and then. So as much as this year has been strange and weird and a lot of people want it to end, there's been some fun aspects of it too. 
you know, there's things that we can do a little bit differently and have some fun with it. But I think that little awards thing might be kind of a cool way to cap off the year. Yeah, for sure. I think we've had a lot of fun on the show this year. Yeah, I, yeah absolutely. I, I definitely think so. Our 100th episode. Yeah, it's great. I mean, our listeners can write in and tell us whether or not they're having fun, but we certainly have fun. <laughs> and as we know, some of them will. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. Um, but that brings us to the end of fan questions. Again, thank you everyone for writing in. If you want to write in and be a part of the show, just go to screeningandkingston.com, fill out the form there, or email us screeningandkingston at gmail.com anytime, and we will take your fan questions, suggestions, thoughts, they don't have to have to be questions. They can just be comments. We'll read it. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about some movies. Um, both Netflix releases, um, both having interesting production histories from what I was reading. Um, but uh, I've been making the headlines recently. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought we would. Uh, I thought we would start maybe with the devil all the time because I. I feel like we both. We're both talking about it, and we probably have more to say about it. And my thoughts on Nola Holmes is a little shorter anyway, so we'll we'll kind of keep that to later near the end of the episode. But, uh, yeah, why don't we talk about The Devil all the time, uh, starring some of our favorites, you know, uh, some actors we keep talking about. Like Robert Pattinson, I think we've brought up every episode he in the past few bingo months. card. Yeah, yeah, he needs a bingo card spot. Like, how many times do they bring up Robert Pattinson? But he keeps being in things. So, you know, we keep talking about him. Yeah, it's not like um, we're grasping for straws. He certainly no. is a busy man. Yeah, he's busy. And he kind of, I don't know, I mean, maybe it's different for you or I, because we've both seen him in things since his Twilight days. But in terms of the general population, to me, it feels like he went away for a long time in terms of like general mindset, like he was in twilight for several years and then he did his independent stuff. And only in the past couple of years, like since he got Batman was in, is in tenant. Like are people talking about him again? I don't know if you noticed that, I think that, but I'm seeing more of him. I think that's why there's, there was a lot of backlash to the Batman casting because I would say the general public have not seen Robert Pattinson um, in a very long time when really he's, he has been steadily acting ever since Twilight. So for people who um, don't always watch mainstream movies, um, you had plenty of opportunities to see him acting over the years, but you're, you're definitely right. It's only more recently that he seems to be um, circling back to um, sort of blockbuster or mainstream film. Um, And, but even, you know, even movies like the lighthouse that he was in last year, um, which are kind of, which kind of cross over to mainstream audiences. Yeah. I don't know a lot of people who saw The Lighthouse. Um, no. So, uh, yeah, I think he is becoming a household name again. Um, and people are realizing or hopefully waking up to the fact that he is a very great actor in his own right. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like everyone else that needs to catch up to his career. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's, he's been working. If you wanted to see Robert Pattinson in movies, you certainly, he was in The Lost City of Z, um, or yeah. Z, which came out a couple years ago. And again, that, that movie was more or less a mainstream movie with um, Charlie Hunnam. So uh, he's, he's out there. You just have to kind of look for him. But um, now it's getting easier to see him. So 
Not um, to go off topic too, too much, but Charlie Hunnam's also someone who I thought we'd hear more about. Like, I thought he'd be in more things by now. But He's a great he, actor, too. Yeah, I like, I really thought he was great in Crimson Peak, uh, Lost City of Z, like, same thing. Like, I thought the little I've seen of him. The Gentleman? Quite good. The Gentleman, yeah. He's, he, I think great, he's great in The Gentleman. Yeah, but that's, that's really, I can't name anything else I think I've seen him in. No, which is kind of a shame. Hopefully, he is a British actor, so he may, maybe, um, he's been acting more in British film that maybe just hasn't yeah. been crossing over to North American markets. Of course, he was a household name because of Sons of Anarchy. And with how popular Sons of Anarchy was, you think that he would be um, more of a, a leading man. Um, but our... Um, the King Arthur movie he was supposed to head up was, as far as I can, t- from my understanding, um, that King Arthur movie was supposed to become a franchise, but was pretty much a flop. And oh. that maybe did that come out? Did that end up coming out? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's, uh, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, Guy Ritchie's. That's a flop Guy, it is. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Guy Ritchie's uh, King Arthur. So right. um, maybe that has kind of put the brakes a little bit on his career and maybe why we didn't get a man from uncle two. Um, hard to say, (laughs) but, um, yeah. So it's, it's kind of a shame when you get these really great actors and they're in maybe one or two, not so big things and it kind of stalls them a bit, but anyway, Anyway, back to the movie. <laughs> yeah, the difference, is, the difference with Robert Pattinson is that um, yeah. it like it's not like he was in flops. He just was in movies people weren't watching. Weren't watching, didn't see didn't smaller budget, but some very good movies, some very good performances. People just didn't hear about it. And again, it just shows you the power that the mainstream has of certain titles, and you start to understand why. Um, why the film industry is so risk adverse because mm-hmm. some movies just make it and some simply don't. And you know, from the beginning, there's no way people will like this and see this, which is a shame because then you get this misconception that Robert Pattinson, like, you know, Edward Cullen is now playing Batman, which is not even remotely. It's Batman's case. playing Edward Cullen. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's, bat- it's backwards. Um, uh, but anyway, well, the reason why we talk about Robert Pattinson is he is in the the devil all, all the time, playing a very interesting preacher uh, kind of role. Um, but uh, this this movie really, you know, it it has a lot of things going on. Not not super, I would say, like plot heavy and confusing. But there's a lot of characters doing a lot of things in this movie. Um, okay. What what were kind of your really? go ahead. Like I'll circle back to that comment you said about like the plot itself wasn't confusing, but for no. some reason I felt like I really had to pay attention. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like the the plot of the of the movie was pretty simplistic, but the way in which it was presented was confusing. Like I I'm I'm with you on that. Like I had to really pay attention. I'm like, wait a minute, who's that again? Because they didn't. There were some characters in some moments they didn't really do any lead up inter- introduction to. Like you have this voiceover that I don't. Want I didn't like it. I didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, I don't really get it. Like I didn't. By the end of the movie, I was like, "Wait, what was the point of the voiceover? Just to explain, I guess, who people were." Um, 
But yeah, I feel like I, the voiceover didn't add anything to it. Even when like, yeah. um, like at some points, the voiceover. An interesting fact: this movie is based on a book, and the author of the book was the guy doing the voiceover. Oh, like really? The narration. Yeah. So interesting okay. tidbit on that. That is very interesting because I found I found the narrator a little flat detached and and just not really involved in the story at all like i didn't get the stakes of like who is this person telling us this information i never really got a sense of that but so the thing i didn't love about the narrator was that i think it can be effective in some parts and in a way like sometimes the narrator broke the tension and was like kind of funny like and i think he was supposed to be and so that like was okay. moments in this movie funny. Like some of the narration, like it was funny. Like his observations, I thought it was like it was supposed to be funny because like I don't remember laughing once. It wasn't like like a ha ha ha, but it was like right. oh that's like a like a heh like heh that's oh, okay I guess okay but okay yeah. so that aside um, then again I also laughed at the ending of the lobsters so my sense of humor is <laughs> that's true that's very is true. an interesting one. Um, but so he, he sometimes would narrate thoughts, like what the character was thinking. And I think that would have been cool if he was revealing things that we wouldn't have known on our own, but the the cast was star studded, as we had mentioned at the, at the beginning, you know, Robert Pattinson is only one very, very familiar face. Um, Um, Tom Holland is also in the movie. Um, uh, the guy who plays the Winter Soldier. Uh, yes, Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan. Um, so um, these are very, in my opinion, very good actors. Kind of a who's who of current acting. And yep. um, so they do a good job, right? And sometimes he was conveying information that like was very evident in their acting. Yeah, like, like we get it. Like, no, like <laughs> we, you we didn't... Understand. Like I could see the the change on their face, or you know what I mean. Like I could, their their acting was good enough that you didn't need to hear their inner thoughts because you could see the inner thoughts through their bodies. If he was revealing information that we wouldn't have been able to tell, it would have been like a cool kind of gimmick. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and I mean for a movie that like this movie is essentially kind of two or three storylines and group of characters that two two main storylines that that yeah converge at a certain point in time and i think that maybe the point of it was to try to avoid this confusion that we're talking about but it still it still was confusing at times because i thought we we spent almost 40 minutes at the beginning of the movie in a in a time and place that we then jumped like 10, 15 years or whatever. I don't know how old Tom Holland uh, was supposed to be, but you basically see him with his father, who is played by Bill Skarsgård, Pennywise the Clown himself. Um, another good performance, I thought. Yeah. Um, he- and then you you spend like probably 40 minutes here. May- maybe it's more like 30, but it's a long time. Well, the movie's and like two hours jump. and 20 minutes. It's the a movie's long movie. Too- yeah, it's a very long movie. And I just... I feel like maybe the narration was there to be like, okay, like, yes, we're setting up, you know, Bill Skarsgård's got his son and it's going to turn into Tom Holland and setting up the kind of the other characters um, that, that we meet. I think Car- uh, what is it? Carl, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Sandy and Carl, um, Jason yeah. Clark, another 
actor who I've seen in a lot of great things, um, always delivers a great performance. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of get that little connection at the beginning. At the beginning of the movie, there's a connection as to how this one couple and this other couple meet. There's a little connection there, but then they kind of go off in the separate direction. And then there's this conversion later. Um, maybe that was the point of the voiceover, but I didn't think it added anything. Like I'm with you. I don't think it added anything. I got no stakes to who this person was or why they cared or what they were trying to tell us within it. Um, I never really thought about the, the acting so good. You don't have to tell us things, but you're, you're, you are right in that. Like, I, I think there's amazing performances in this movie, but I, I'm with you on that. And I should, I should clarify. I think they were very good performances, not necessarily like Oscar. Like this isn't like, this isn't a movie that's going to change your life in terms of acting, but the acting was good enough. Like it did its job. You know what I mean? Like everyone, right? Like it was just a solid, well done cast. From start yeah. to finish, everyone was believable. Even the side characters that, yeah. um, you know, the police officer encounters, like the crooks that he's kind of dealing with, they were really great. Um, yeah. For me, just, I thought it was an interesting story. Like the premise was really good. And maybe it would, it, I'm inclined to maybe even read the book to see how kind of it plays out in the book. Like I thought the story was cool. But the movie itself was kind of boring. I was waiting always throughout the movie for the, that moment where things kick into to a gear. Like, especially with, with movies like this, where it's not, you know, it's not a comedy. It's not an action film. It's a, it's a drama. And, and I would even describe it as more of a, a character piece. You're supposed to, I think, get to know the inner workings of these characters and why they would do certain actions, especially Tom Holland's character which I feel like you're, you're focusing on the, his, his he's past. the main character of the movie. Yeah, he's, he's the main character. And it's, to me, it just, I, I never got that moment of, okay, here we go. Like, it, uh, it like I, I agree with you. high gear. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a little slow. It was pretty boring. There were things happening. And I never, I was like, okay, like, I get what, what's going on. But there was still this air of confusion of like, wait, why are we doing this? And why is this happening? And what is, what is the kind of point here? What's, what things are going to happen? And, and I just, I never got that, that moment. And it, yeah, it definitely made the movie for me at the end of it kind of feel like, oh, okay. Like, I just, I, it just kind of ended. I was like, I, all right. <laughs> like, I, would, I, I, guess. I would describe it as meandering that's like the word that kept popping up in my head um and sometimes you know you don't mind a movie that kind of meanders like I would say a movie that kind of feels that way in a positive way is call me by your name in that it's like you know it's slow but in a in a good way like you're entering into these characters lives and you know yeah it's lush. The cinematography is beautiful. You don't mind spending time with these characters. Whereas like in this movie, you're just kind of like, who cares? Yeah. Like I, I think meandering is a great word. I think that's a perfect world because call me by your name. I would describe as a film that lets things marinate. Yeah. Which is a term we've come up with talked about before where we're like, okay, there wasn't enough time to let things marinate. There's a fine line between being letting things marinate and it meandering. And you're one, that's a perfect comparison because Call Me By Your Name is a completely different feel of a movie. Like, you don't feel that it's slow. You don't feel that it's taking its time and not going anywhere. You feel like it's just, it's marinating because it's going to taste so good by the end of it. This this film just sat on the pot too long. It didn't do anything. 
the most interesting characters to me were the ones that got the least amount of screen time. The Carl yeah. and his and his wife. Yeah, Carl and his wife, um, and even... And I don't um, want to give anything away, I mean... You know, it's hard to talk about this movie, but it's point. But even um, even the Robert Pattinson's role as the Reverend was not huge, and even then, I feel like he had some interest, intrigue into things he was doing and thinking and feeling and, like, his past. Though I think I, I get it, but there could have been more to uncover. But I agree with you, I felt like the most interesting story was Carl and Sandy, and we didn't spend a lot of time with yeah. them. But it, Tom Holland was the main character, right? Tom Holland was the main character. And we kind of spend a little more time with him. But really, again, we spend a lot. I feel like screen time wise, we spent a lot more time with Bill Skarsgård at the beginning of the movie and all his stuff. Through, yeah, through his that. drama. His Yeah, his, his, his issues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> didn't you feel like, I don't know how you feel about this, because I, I felt like the, the, I'm trying to figure out the best way to word this. The like moments where violence happened was, was too gratuitous and too much. Like I got to feel like I've seen lots of movies, lots of violence in it. And it's, you know, action set pieces are a big thing that I enjoy, but there was just something more brutal. And when like the beating up scenes. Yes. the, The beating up scenes, which I feel like they're showing us a lot more. Like there's lots of blood in this movie, the beating up scenes, anytime anyone gets, gets hurt there's a lot to me there's just a lot of violence in this and sometimes i was like is it necessary to never cut away like it seemed like they wanted you to sit with it to to i guess understand how how violent these people were but i just i don't know i i i felt turned off by by that and i that rarely happens for me in a movie i mean i have a very high threshold for violence and gore this movie, like, didn't really, like, ring any bells for me. But, like, mm. we had mentioned it last week with Nicole because there was a film Nicole saw at TIFF that she thought was yeah. um, too violent or the violent was the violence was gr- gratuitous. My threshold yeah. is kind of, like, um, Antichrist. Lars von Trier's Antichrist. So that's a, that's a very high threshold, uh, threshold for discomfort. I don't think it was too much in this movie, but also like, did it need to be that much? No, but I think the movie was trying to make this statement about, you know, um, uh, the path between violence and peace, essentially. Um, And maybe in a way they were trying to draw parallels between, you know, Tom Holland's kind of violence and then the violence of, um, Carl and Sandy. I don't think that was effective. I don't no. think that I don't actually think they're the filmmakers were trying to draw that parallel. Um, do I think it was too much? Maybe. Did it bother me? No. But <laughs> but um, yeah. again, like I would have. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I just because the two stories that converge are kind of so different. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um yeah. Yeah. I do I do feel like when when we say the stories converged, it wasn't in a way that was like, oh wow, like that caught me off guard or wow, these things are connected in a way I never knew. It was just more it kind of happened and I was like, oh. Well, you okay. knew it was you knew from the gecko that how these stories were well, correct me if I'm wrong. I knew right away how the stories were going to connect. And maybe it was because of the narration. Like there was no, 
<laughs> it wasn't a shock for there sure. There was no, oh, wow. Like, no, for sure. You're no grand clear. reveal, no, no shock. Um, so again, like, I guess that's why the movie felt meandering is because like, I knew what was going to happen pretty much from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I will give, like, I'll give credit where credit's due atmospherically. Like I thought the movie's atmosphere was set up to be kind of creepy and weird and the slow moving kind of helped with that. And, and I don't know, everything was so tactile. Like it seemed very dirty. Like the movie yeah. scene, everyone, like, you could see the sweat and, and the dirt and the filmmakers weren't um, worried about kind of making everybody look kind of run down. And that, that worked in that sense. But I, I do think that was one of the only aspects where I was like, okay, well, the acting's good and, and it's everyone's doing their job. And good no soundtrack, really great soundtrack. soundtrack. I yeah, will give it that. Um, but it's just, I guess, it, yeah, I think I'm on the same page as you. I think it's the story was interesting, but just not really well executed. And I felt bored throughout the movie. Like I didn't really capture my attention, which a movie... I think I, I'm willing to forgive, and I think it just happens a lot naturally. You forgive a lot when you're just entertained. Yeah. But but I but I wasn't. So it was just there's a lot of a lot more nitpicking can happen when you're a little bored. So to me, like this, it really came down to just having like a poor script, like a poor like narrative script. Like even the dialogue wasn't bad. It's just like. The story itself, like when you're working, like the bone, when the bones of the story isn't there, the movie yeah. isn't necessarily going to be there. And yeah, I'm, like the dialogue wasn't bad, but it wasn't anything spectacular either. And the the author of the book was, I think he like helped write the screenplay. Yeah. So, and it just maybe went, the book's not that interesting. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe, like maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should skip the book too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I want to just one thing before we move on um, yeah. from The Devil All the Time or whatever the name of the All these weird movie names. I know. I, 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 this one's a hard. Yeah, it is The Devil All the Time. The Devil All the Time. Um, and it's because there's a line at the beginning of the movie. He says, it, it, I was, it felt like my dad was wrestling with the devil all the time. So that's, yeah. it's a shortened part of the dialogue. Anyways, um, why this movie was making a little bit of buzz or at least um, recently on Twitter, it was a buzz because um, a lot of attention has been drawn to Robert Pattinson's uh, voice work, essentially his, yeah. uh, his dialogue work. So the director um, wanted, and interestingly, the majority of the cast is British um, or non sort of like non North Americans. I was going to say non English speakers, but I think yeah. maybe Bill Skarsgård's the only one who's not a native English speaker. But anyways, yeah. um, they're not American. And the movie takes place sort of what we would say, I guess, kind of the American South. Like uh, it happens a little bit in Ohio and a, a little bit mm -hmm. in Virginia. So anyways, they all have sort of Southern accents. And Robert Pattinson has been um, making the rounds on Twitter or his name has been making the rounds on Twitter because his accent choice has drawn a lot of attention. So anyways, long story short, the director wanted to hear all of the actors' um, uh, voices, essentially, what accents they were going to go with. And the, he wanted to hire a dialect coach in order to help them um, kind of develop their accents. I don't know if the other actors... Um, took him up on that offer all I know is that Robert Pattinson 
flat out refused the dialect coach. He said, no, I do not want to coach. I want to come up with the accent on my own, completely through my own sort of research intuition. Um, and in fact, I'm not going to let you hear my accent until the first day of filming. So um, the director said, okay, that's kind of weird, but I'll, I'll go with it. You're Robert Pattinson, you know? And um, he, the, uh, the director absolutely loved what Robert Pattinson ended up doing. And that's kind of the accent we hear in the movie. So, and what did you think of it? I liked it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so Twitter, I think, is kind of divided. You have, uh, or exactly. social media is divided. Pardon me? Of course yeah, it's divided. Right? So some people are saying, what the hell? Like, like that's not a Southern accent. It, he sounds ridiculous. It sounds made up. It sounds like he's using seven different accents at once. And then there's other people saying, you know, Given the geographical area, given his profession, um, given his motivations, it like his accent completely makes sense. Number one, I don't think the accent really sticks out like a sore thumb. Like the fact no. that this is even a conversation people are having, in my mind, I'm like, yep, that that sounds like how he should sound like. Yeah. Um yeah. I agree. Yeah. And um on the flip side, um, it sounds right. It sounds like normal. Like it doesn't sound weird. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I liked it and I liked it for him because it really helped transform him. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a, a great choice, I guess on, on his part because yeah, it, it really helps you see past the actor, which is hard sometimes and just kind of be absorbed in the character. And I thought it worked. Like I didn't even blink the accent. I, all I thought was, Oh, he's doing a great accent there. Like did a great job. Um, I guess people maybe from the area would have more to say, I guess. Had, um, you know, had I not seen like the Twitter discussion, I don't think I would have bad an eye. Like I wouldn't no. have had no, I didn't. Thought. Yeah, no, I didn't um, even, I didn't think of any of their accents actually. Like, even though, I mean, everyone does it to different levels. I, I did, I wasn't distracted by that. Like they all did again, it was just like the acting. It was, it was good enough. Like it, it was whatever it was, it was functional and it worked and it didn't stick out in a bad way, which I think is the number one goal you want to do is just not make sure you don't stick out. I guess, you know, it goes, you always get the people like I'm from Virginia and no one sounds like sure. that in Virginia. Well, wake up. The movie is made for international markets. Yeah. You know, like it's a regional dialect, just like, um, it would be like us watching a movie set in Toronto being like, Torontonians don't sound like that. Like whatever. Yeah. Right? So I don't yeah. know. I pro I don't have a problem with the accent. In fact, I thought it was pretty good and shows good character work. Like I think again, mm -hmm. it speaks to his method as an actor. Um, but anyone who, any of our listeners, if you have seen the movie, I'd love to hear you guys weigh in, whether it's a, a yay or a nay in terms of, um, the accent. Cause I don't know. I thought it was good. Yeah. <laughs> End of the day. Yeah. One of the better yeah. parts of the movie. Um, I would agree. We only have, we're kind of running out of time, so I don't want to take up to any more time, um, on this movie. Cause I am really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about, um, the Enola, what is it? Enola Holmes. Enola Holmes. But I'll just give my final review for yes. De the devil all the time. To me, I hate to say it. Um, I think it's a skip it. Um, I'm with you on both the skip it and I hate to say it because the acting is superb and I do think it's a pretty 
well put together movie overall, like just to, like just the look of it, but it just too much rubbed me the wrong way, and I'm just not as interested, if that makes sense, in this movie than than I think it could have been. So yeah, I, I actually kind of agree with you that I, I think I have to give this movie a skip it. It was so like it was too long for what it was, if that makes yeah. sense. Like I wouldn't for me this isn't even a stream it because I'd be like, you're gonna just waste two hours and twenty minutes. Like there's other things to stream. Yeah. <laughs> and like I would never watch this on an airplane. So Oh no, it, no. Like to me it has to be a skip it. Like I just I could not recommend this movie to someone. Like if someone was like, Should I watch this? I'm like, well, no, but like if you did, I mean, I'm not gonna blame you. Like it's not atrociously bad, but it's one of those skippets where it's like, eh, well, it just didn't, just didn't work for me. It just yeah. didn't resonate for Agreed. me. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and it is unfortunate, but yeah, it's a skippet for this me. It's boring. Too. That's just kind of yeah. boring. It's boring. <laughs> just boring. Just didn't. Yeah, just didn't. Didn't hit for us. Uh, but there you go. The devil all the time. Two skippets. Um, unfortunately. This might be a um, rare, yeah. a very rare double skip it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I there, there, again, it should have worked, right? Yeah. <laughs> All the pieces are here to make it work, but it just didn't. Um, so there you go. Um, yeah, in, in, a little bit of time left, and there's enough here to talk a little bit about uh, Enola Holmes, um, which is the other movie that, yeah, I saw this week. And for those of you, those of you who don't know, it's a, it's basically a, a fun adventure movie that stars Millie Bobby Brown as the youngest uh, child in the the Holmes family, which is her, her older brother is Sherlock Holmes. Um, this is based on books. I guess there's like a whole book run of Enola Holmes. Um, and basically this movie is, is basically what you would expect out of a movie that's got the name Holmes in it. It's a mystery. It's an adventure. Um, as I said, it's, it's pretty fun. There are a lot of kind of quirky, fun moments in it. You really get to know who Anola Holmes is. She's our main character. You spend the most time with her. Um, and as the trailer, you know, I'll never give away anything the trailer doesn't. So as the trailer suggests, this is a, a mission to find someone, her mother, who she spends all her time with goes missing. Um, her brothers, Minecraft and Sherlock return home. And she's off to the races to sort of try to figure out where her mom went and went on a mission. Um, this movie is is fun. It's it's very good in, in a lot of ways. Um, there's a few little criticisms I have for it, but I'll just say overall, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Very 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 good performances in this movie as well. Like you really, Millie Bobby Brown's going to be a star um, if she isn't already. Um, but even like they used Henry Cavill really well. As Sherlock Holmes, I mean, he's he's subtle. He doesn't speak much, um, and he just kind of does the role pretty well. Like, I, I don't think he's a particularly good actor, but in, in general, this, in general, I don't. Um, but in this type of role, what he does well, just like Man in Man from Uncle, works for him. Like the things I think he can do well, he does in this movie, and his character is like it's very, pretty much if you put Man from Uncle and and Enola Holmes side by side, his characters are very similar, quiet and suave. And, and, you know, they know a lot of things and are very good. And you never, you never, because of inaction and confidence, you never really get a sense that he's ever showing his true potential, which I like, I kind of like that. So yeah, I think he was used very well and he was very, very good in this. Do you think he's a good, um, 
uh, Superman? No, I do not. Though I think a lot of that is the fault of the writing. Um, but no, I, I don't think he's he's a good Superman. Sure. Um, he's I would say he's a better Superman than he is a Clark Kent, which is the same. I like to make that differentiation sometimes because I do think Superman, he looks the part. And, and again, that quiet sort of reservedness that he does very well works for that. But he's not Clark Kent. You look at him and you go, you would you could pick up a building. Um, <laughs> you're supposed to look at Clark Kent and go, huh, come on. Like, there's no Nerd. way he's Superman. Yeah, it's part of what makes the disguise so interesting is the disguise of Superman has never been about, oh, he puts on glasses and why does no one recognize him? Because of who we are as people, we judge people. And that's the whole point of Superman. No one ever gets that is you're supposed to look at him and go, there's no way that that is, could be Superman, regardless of their features being similar. But I don't know. <laughs> Henry Cavill, <laughs> every time he was Clark Kent, it's just like he was looked like he was busting out of his shirt. And you're like, of course he would <laughs> be Superman. Like, it's so obvious. Like, but no, I, I think the writing doesn't work. And I think the casting doesn't 100% work for him. Maybe with a better writer, they could do something better with it. But no. Um, but anyway, uh, it, did quickly work. it did work for this movie, though. Yes, it did work for this movie. And I will say that this movie's strength is on the relationship that Enola builds with those around her. Um, what I really, really liked about this movie is this movie was never a moment where this movie was like, wait a minute, Enola, you're a girl. And then she goes, ah, yes, I am a girl. And look at all the things I can do. Like it just, it was, she was a strong female character because she was a strong right. female character. Like that was it. The, the, the movie never insisted upon itself. It was just, no, no, this is who she is. Let's go. And the way she kind of shows, okay, this is why I can do all these cool things because of this training my mom gave me and because I pretty much have been a shut-in and only learning all these things. Like, it's really cool to sort of see her interact in the real world. What I will say is a quick criticism of this movie is it's a half an hour too long because the movie stops about halfway through to do a second movie for some reason. There's a moment where the adventure stops and grinds to a halt and basically Enola is taken out of that atmosphere and put into this school and we spend a half an hour in this school and this could have been a different movie. Like it was very weird. Like they first shoehorn this thing in there and it, it didn't work for me. I feel um, like there's like no such thing as editors anymore in film or like, it's like the, the problem with beauty and the beast where they added that whole extra song. So I don't know if that's like whose fault that is. That, like, they're yeah. letting writers, like, have too much, like, because it's not even, like, an editing problem in the sense of, like, editing, like, cutting scenes. It's, like, no one edited the script. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that this movie suffers from that a little bit. Like, it, to me, it suffers even in terms of the rating I'm going to give it because the script and the way it was directed, it, there were some of these sloppy moments. It was like, why are we here for so long? And the movie, if it was a tight 95 minutes, you know, it would have been, it would have been perfect, but it's, it's just over two hours and there's a literal half hour section you can cut out and the movie wouldn't change that much. So I don't know why they did that. I don't really get it. But um, aside from that, you know, this movie is pretty good. It's a stream it for me. I think it's a great thing to watch with your family, but it's also, it's not just for kids. 
Um, I, she, she's very quirky and interesting and clearly appealing to kids, but like there's so much fun stuff in this movie of any age, you can enjoy it. So Enola Holmes is a stream it for me. There is that kind of weird section there in the middle, but otherwise I really liked the movie. I thought they handled the characters very well. I think the movie never insisted upon itself and it just presented us with something that obviously is important to a lot of people and you should praise the movie for it. It's a strong female character played extremely well and she's she's phenomenal in the role. So there you go. That's my very quick re- uh, review for Enola Holmes. It's a stream it now available on Netflix. Um, but we're at the end of the show. Unfortunately, I don't, we don't have time to get into he- the headlines about this movie, but do yourself a favor and do some reading about why it's making the news. Um, the movie's being but sued. You can, you can come back next week, Taylor, and tell us yeah. of, of, of the, we can pick this up next week, depending upon, of course, how, how your wedding goes. Yeah, I might be uh, depressed. You might be depressed, but uh, anyway, uh, on behalf of all our fans, uh, good luck, Taylor, this week. Uh, we hope you have a great time, but we are at the end of the episode, so unfortunately, we have to say goodbye. Go see some movies. <laughs>